0: To join SelfWealth now, use the link in your podcast player or head to selfwealth.com.au and use the coupon code RASK during sign-up.
1: This podcast is sponsored by RASK Invest, Owen's complete guide to money and investing. Visit the RASK Finance website to learn more and join today.
0: Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Australian Investors Podcast, a series exploring the investment philosophies and journeys of some of Australia's leading investors and financial thinkers. I'm Owen Raskovich, founder of the Rask Group. For show notes and other episodes in this series, as well as free educational resources, please visit www.raskfinance.com. Before we go on, it's important to remember the Australian Investors podcast is provided for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment, financial or taxation decision. The information included in this podcast does not take into account your needs, goals or objectives and guests appearing on the show may have a financial interest in some of the products mentioned. Please read all the important disclosure documents and refer to the Rask Group's Financial Services Guide on the Rask Finance website. Angie Ellis is a private investor from Melbourne. You may know her as 8020 Invest on Social Media, or you may have read about her as part of Fairfax Media's Shares Race, which she has won quite a few times. Angie's approach to investing is refreshing and logical, and fuses together both fundamental and technical investing approaches to build two sub-portfolios. We go through her process in detail, and talk about her former life as a business owner, installing MYOB accounting software, and running a small to medium business. I think this episode is an especially good one for part-time and DIY investors who are willing to do the extra work to get an informational or behavioural edge over others in the market. Angie's tools, techniques and strategies seem simple enough, but there are some subtleties, so it's worth paying close attention. Also, I recommend watching the video version of this interview on Rask Australia's YouTube channel because it'll add more context to the conversation. I hope you enjoy this episode with Angie Ellis of 8020 Invest. Angie, thanks for joining me on the podcast.
1: Thanks, Owen. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, no, it's wonderful to have you here because uh, I know uh, there's certain people in the financial Twitter sphere and on LinkedIn that really wanted to hear this interview. So yep. uh, thank you for just driving just down the road, I believe it is, and coming to meet me. <laughs> yes, it yeah. had
1: no excuse for being late. <laughs> yes, you.
0: Um, you uh, for those who are unaware, uh, we're located here in Hawthorne or just outside the CBD of Melbourne, and Angie's not too far away. So thanks for, yeah, you're pretty much our neighbour. Thanks yes. for stopping in. Um, as you know, you've listened to a few of the episodes of the Australian Investors Podcast and, and what we do is we talk about uh, you and, and your journey towards finance because I think that provides the context for people in terms of how they think about the way you invest and, and what's influenced you. And it, it also makes you more relatable. You yep. know, uh, people might see you on Twitter and think, or in the newspaper every week and think, wow, I wish only I could invest like her. and <laughs> You know, just hearing your story is a great way for them to be like, okay, she's done it. Maybe yep. I can learn something from that. Great. So why don't we jump back and um, take us back to your childhood, pardon me, your childhood, where you grew up, early influences of uh, towards money, anyone pushing you down that path and, and mentors and that type of thing.
1: Yep. Fantastic. Well, yeah, pretty happy childhood. I mean, my brother and I um, grew up, we didn't have a dad growing up. And mm-hmm. then when I was 13, my mum remarried and so my stepdad had a couple of electronic component businesses called Mm Alistronics. He had one in the city and one in Springvale Road, Mulgrave. So my brother and I were quite exposed to business from, you know, during our teenage years. So Mm -hmm. school holidays, weekends, we were always at the the shop in the city, helping out and um, serving customers and getting involved in the business side of things, which was terrific. And, Uh, I was going to tell a a crazy story where one day my brother and I were washing the trays upstairs from the shop in the city and he actually Mm. fell through the floor. So his feet were sort of dangling through in the shop so people at the shop could see his feet dangling up. He got sort of stuck in the middle of the floor. So we had to sort of pull him out and it was quite a funny story. (laughs) (laughs) It's like an old shop in the city. And that was the days where, you know, people used to repair their own toasters and make circuit boards. So the shop was always packed with customers buying electronic components mm. and the business ended up going broke um, in the late 80s so my my stepdad and my mum moved to Queensland right. leaving my brother and I in Melbourne mm. so I was 16 he was 19. And so we got a flat together, and I was at a great school and wanted to do very well at school. I wanted to go to Melbourne Uni. Mm-hmm. So my brother and I got a flat, and we continued on. I continued on at school. <laughs> so it was quite hard going yeah, for 16, those, yeah, the back. middle of year 11. So, uh, so I got a job in a bakery and that was another fantastic business experience for me as well because on the school holidays and weekends i got to manage that bakery Mm. especially in the school holidays it was all my job to sort of manage staff and look after the books and Mm. do that for this bakery and i got to know the owner she had a a whole chain of bakeries and i got to understand the business aspect of it and it was just really great experience so Mm. by the time i finished high school i I felt like i did have a fair bit of business knowledge. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. It, it sounds like... Not yeah, finance knowledge, but business yeah, knowledge. Yeah,
0: which is you know, one and the same as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So they've moved away. Um, Alice Electronics is... That's obviously a play on the surname. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, so they've moved away and uh, you've, you're, you're, you're working in this bakery. You're trying to put yourself through school. You want to go to Melbourne Uni. What happens next? Because I imagine that would have been pretty tough, right?
1: Yeah. So I started, I I got a job straight away. I got a full-time job as soon as I finished high school at an accounting firm as a junior accountant and loving the job. And then uni started. So I started um, commerce at Melbourne Uni Mm full-time. And after a couple of weeks, my boss said, Ange, you know, (laughs) this Mm -hmm. whole going to uni full-time, working full-time, things not really working Mm -hmm. for me. Uh, You have to make a a choice. So I chose to, to keep the job. The job was fantastic. And so I deferred um, going to to uni and and changed over instead to doing a business degree at Monash Field Mm part-time. So then I would go to uni at night-time and work full-time.
0: Right. That would have been a bit of a slog, (laughs) I imagine, trying to work full-time. I've taken a fair bit of study myself and uh, did you say it was four and a half years? Yeah, four and a
1: half years. So I did three subjects. So full-time would have been four and part-time would have been two and I did three. So I used to go six to ten you know, most nights of the
0: week. Oh, wow, it must have been, you must have been—you must either been crazy or just really enjoyed it.
1: I used to drive, like work would finish at five thirty, and uni would start at six. I would just drive like a maniac to get there, oh. and then you couldn't park at Caulfield, Monash Corfield, and I'd just run, park somewhere, and run all the yeah. way to my class, and. And, um, and and after four and a half years, on my very last day at uni, when I had my very, very last exam, the pub opened on <laughs> campus. And I was like, oh, my God. Celebrate. Celebrate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks. On my very last day that I never need to come back here ever again uh, the pub opens.
0: <laughs> well, at least you would have got one, I imagine, one good night. One yeah. good night. It was yeah. one good night and that was it. Yeah, yeah. great. Um, okay, so... I don't think I'm jumping too far ahead of the conversation here, but were you investing at this stage? Was that on your radar?
1: No, nope, nope. no. Okay, no. So I wish this, it had been. <laughs> yeah, it was
0: accounting. It was yeah. uh, study work.
1: Yep. Yeah, accounting. I'm uh, very much involved, you know, in the business side of clients and enjoying sort of helping them, you know, grow their business.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, you have you, had some first, you had some first hand experience as a teenager. And then you would have got the accounting or the books, you know, experience. You would have had many different businesses coming in, I imagine, and you get to learn about them as well. Yep, that's yeah, exactly so. right. I think that's a great stopping ground for um, investors. You know, in any case, you you get to learn the good, the bad, and, yep. and I suppose the bad is. Uh, the, the businesses that fail and the good is that you get to see the managers and, and the people that, and the businesses that really work. That's right. And are really profitable. Okay. So you've done this and then what did you do then? Cause you've got, you know, a few years of experience, you've got the qualification. Did I hear I think you've said off air that you're a CPA. Yep. Yeah. So
1: what I did one day, I'd been at this accounting firm for about three and a half years. So I was probably 21 at mm-hmm. the time. And I went to one of my clients and she said, no, Angie, I don't need you to help me out anymore doing my PLs and and data reports. I've got this funny little computer here. It's called a Mac. Hmm. And I've got some software on it called Mind Your Own Business. And it just spits out all those reports you do huh. for me now. So I don't need you to help me out. So I was like, oh, my God. So I went back to work and pretty much resigned a few days later from my job and started my own business, like a couple of weeks later as an MYOB consultant, helping businesses set up this, you know, whiz-bang software that I'd seen on my client's little tiny Mac computer. So at the time... I was one of the very first sort of quality consultants of MYOB. There wasn't many around. Mm. And I called my business Accounting Excellence, which mm. started with an A. And I made sure I was in Abbotsford, which started with an A. And I'm an Angie, you know. I made sure I ticked all the A boxes. <laughs> so when the, the booklet came out for the quality consultants, I was always number one in the book. Even oh, if right. they reordered the book, I was always number one. And so when people bought the software, they would pretty much open the box and get the little booklet and then just bring the first person. And, and you could see who would come and
0: help me. Come and children. help me.
1: Yeah, Yeah. you know, can you send someone out to help me set up my accounting software? And um, (laughs) I ran training classes, so I was having training classes every day. And then after a couple of years too, the government was very kind and gave everyone a $300 voucher to help them set up their accounting software to get ready for GST. Mm. And my courses were $299, so they could all all come in with their vouchers and, and set up their accounting software. And So that was a great business and I started doing um, like CRM software and point of sale and bigger accounting software as well, not just MYB. Like some of my clients, that was not going to be the right solution for them so I did have other products as well
0: for mm. bigger businesses. Great. Yeah. So how, how big did your business get?
1: Yeah, so at one point I had about 15 staff, <laughs> like oh, wow. when things were just booming along. Yep. So it would change all the time and yeah, but it was really fun. Mm. really fun interesting business helping Help. helping so like I think we had over 220 clients oh wow
0: so well, that's great and you just started this business because you saw that there was some change coming and you wanted to be in front of it yeah yeah, well, great. yeah. And, and I just
1: thought my you know days doing what I'm doing were a bit numbered because yeah. everyone you know could sort of do their own
0: did you because know. we're at this kind of we're at this stage now where people think and accountants particularly too they think you know, there's things like zero and all these web-based apps that can do a lot of the, mm. the heavy lifting. And we're thinking disruption, disruption. Is that what you thought back then? Did you yeah. think disruption? Yeah,
1: because I would do all that for my clients. I would give them all all those things and mm. they could do it themselves. So I thought that sounds really interesting. I think I'd rather be part of that yeah. side of things, you know, more
0: on the software side and than the boring accounting side. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, so what happened to that? What was the next step in your journey?
1: Yeah, so um, I ran that until I had kids and I was okay once I had one, but I think once I had the second one, it was Mm. just getting harder to manage the business. And then by that stage too, there was definitely a lot of people doing what I was doing. There was a lot more competitors in the marketplace and and probably I'd just been doing it for 10 years and it was really hard work. And I think just staff would start leaving Mm. and just, I don't remember one Christmas, I'd had like three staff, resign and leave I'm like okay bye it's probably for the best because you know
0: you know I was probably a bit over it by then right yeah and and so then you've you've I guess you've wound down the business
1: yeah I sort of wound down the business I just kept at, at the time I was probably kept about 10 of the best customers and just kept working for those customers and then slowly that would dwindle away, mm-hmm. where I really just had two customers, and then probably one. Yep. <laughs> and but that one customer was a fantastic customer. Um, their business was just booming along. They were quite a big business, and I had one of my biggest software products I'd already put into that um, business. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I used to work there just three days a week. Yep. That was quite you know good consulting rates. So mm-hmm. that was sort of an easy business to continue on with. Yeah,
0: wonderful. Okay, so you've had kids, you've, you're working three days a week. Is this where you, the, the the light bulb goes off and you think I should start investing? Or yeah, yeah?
1: well, back um, when I was about twenty four, I I started buying shares, you like did. just um, okay. I did buy some TAB shares because I I noticed when I went past uh, the TAB on my way to work would just be absolutely packed with people, and I always thought to myself, if that they're that business list, I'd like to buy some shares in that business. Mm-hmm. That looks really, really busy. So I did buy shares in the IPO of mm-hmm. the TAB when they listed. That, were pro- that was my first share purchase was when I was twenty four. Right. And so, so even when I had my business, I was sort of very much into investing and uh, also uh, uh, in, in my 20s too I, I read a book by when I was probably about, probably about 24 around the mm-hmm. same time um, I read a book by Jan Summers she was an ex-maths teacher out of Queensland and she wrote a whole lot of books on residential property investing so I was quite inspired by her book about mm-hmm. buying a property and renting it out. So I bought a flat in Abbotsford for $74,000, mm-hmm. a two-bedroom flat, and it was negative geared for about six months and then it was positively geared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Um, Oh, just just from being inspired by that book because she really outlined all the steps. You know, buy a property that's nearest train station that's got good you know good public transport. Mm-hmm. Just, she had a whole list of what to look out for in these residential properties that you would rent out. So. Uh, So you're well on the way, yeah.
0: Investing, yeah. Yeah.
1: So I I ended up buying a house in Thornbury that was on a corner. She said, "Buy on a corner," you know. It it was an interesting house too because it had a a self-contained bungalow in the back garden. So um, we put up a a fence in between the bungalow and the house and rented them separately. So Mm. got really good rent from doing that. And also, I bought the office that I used to run my training courses from. So, All right. yeah, okay. So you're, in
0: Brunswick you're, East, yeah, you've accumulated a, a decent property portfolio. Yeah, then. I mean
1: they were cheap back then. Yeah, back,
0: <laughs> back then it's a little bit different now. <laughs> pretty, yeah. yeah. Okay, so just, just to reflect on something, you said you you would go past the TAB in the morning. Is that on the way to work or?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe at lunchtime. Okay. Yeah, or maybe on the way back. Yeah. Yeah, but I was it's a bit concerning
0: of... if it was in the morning
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't, it could have been in the morning
0: yeah. yeah okay so let's fast forward to now I guess it's probably uh, let's let's jump forward to now and you 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 are known for this business called 8020 and you're we'll get to the shares race or the, the thing that you do for Fairfax in a moment but maybe you can just give us an overview of what 8020 is and the genesis of it where did it come from What? what why is it eighty twenty yeah, you know, almost.
1: Yeah, there was sort of I think in my business too I always sort of went for that, you know, eighty twenty rule. But definitely um Uh, I think it's evolved over time just where I think about the 80-20 side of things and just you know I suppose in my business you know 20% of my effort was always sort of 80% of my profits Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's how sort of my business sort of was always working but um, Mm -hmm. I like to give my fund a name even though it's just my own money in the fund Mm -hmm. I just like to give it a name so I run it like it is a professional fund it's Mm -hmm. got a name it's got a bit of an identity and I just think about it as being an actual fund. Okay
0: Mm -hmm. so because that's one thing I, I was meaning to ask you. It's, so there's no external money. It's just your own. Yeah. you just managing your own yep. money. And that's just built up over your lifetime. As yeah, from selling those properties. Yeah, yeah. S-
1: selling those properties to to
0: seed the fund. Okay. So yeah. do you still actively invest in property? Or? No. No? So, uh, a, well, I probably should have
1: kept them. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. And, yeah. But, 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 hey, the share market's done pretty yeah, well at that time too. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. Okay, so... More fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's day-to-day. It keeps you busy. So perhaps you can... Um, Explain, because a lot of people that listen to this podcast or know you know you from this thing called the Shares Race that you do for Fairfax. Can you tell us what that is and then how you got involved in it?
1: Yep. So... With the shares race, I've been in it for four years now. Mm-hmm. So a long time I had to mm. look that up. I thought, gee, it has been a few years. So back in July twenty fifteen, um, the shares race was all blokes okay. one day yeah. in the shares race. I probably had been like that for a little while, and some lovely ladies on Twitter tweeted to David Potts, who put the shares race together in those days, mm-hmm. and said, Where are all the women? You need to find some women for this shares race, David. So he thought, Oh actually, good idea. Mm-hmm. So he contacted Emma Isaac, who's this incredible woman who runs a a, a global organisation called Business Chicks Mm -hmm. and she helps entrepreneurial women or just business women connect and she runs lots of networking events. She's amazing. And so she very generously put me up for the shares race Mm. and I've been in it ever since. So, yeah, Fairfax run it. So it's in The Age and Sydney Morning Herald pretty much every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it's just a fantasy shares race where they give you a pretend $100,000 and say, you know, choose 10 stocks to spend with this $100,000. And then you can't change your pick. So it runs for other um, four weeks or six weeks. Mm-hmm. And then they track every Sunday how everyone's going in mm-hmm. that shares race. And at the end of six weeks, they say, this person's the winner. They've got the most money. Mm-hmm. Um, a okay. hundred thousand dollars,
0: and so your your picks are published in a you know, full yeah. spread on the paper. Yep. And, yeah, okay, and so you've been doing it for a while. You must have had some success.
1: Yes, it. they say I've I've had more wins than anyone's ever had. Like I, I win it quite regularly. In the the last race, I was up like seventy one percent in six weeks, which oh, wow. is the best I've ever done in the race. Yep. And, oh, and, and luckily for that race too, it was the first time I've ever actually bought all 10 of those stocks, because huh. often I might only have six or seven of the 10 that I pick, because sometimes they're quite speculative stocks that I don't know particularly well. Mm. But at that time, I thought, Angie, you just got to seriously back yourself. You tend to win this race, so mm. I bought all, all 10 of yeah, well, the stocks. Yeah, the
0: track records, anything to go Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. We'll get into how maybe you go about picking shares for your personal portfolio but also for the shares race let's start with the shares race um, did you say to me once before that it takes you for the first shares race it was something like three hours or something yeah yeah that I'm, quick to, was that just one share or was that for all of them yeah
1: well at the start when i was in the race i tended to pick more sort of conservative stocks i might put a csl or something like that in it or and i didn't put a huge amount of time in it now I'm, i am think i'm a bit competitive with it or something mm-hmm. i do i spend about maybe three hours actually picking the 10 stocks for the race. I do spend that amount of time okay. working out and I have a, a big list of stocks I'm interested in and I keep narrowing it down. So mm. yeah, three or four hours to, to pick my 10 stocks. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And
0: so if I could just go back a moment, if, has, this, has the shares race been a big thing for you professionally or...?
1: yeah i think so like i think it gives me um maybe access to to people yeah like that, s- yeah CEO, yeah but thing. they might meet up with you know a couple of people from my investment group yep. because i'm in the shares race they might want to get to see their company in there mm-hmm. so hopefully it, it gives me you know access to people mm. yeah, Okay, it's just a bit of fun yeah hopefully inspire people to get interested in shares
0: yeah for sure i reckon it would so let's talk a bit more about your process then uh it's my understanding that you have effectively two, two sleeves or two, like you allocate into two different groups. One's more systematic, yep. you could say, not like yep. trading, and the other one's more fundamental and yep. research driven. Um, why don't we start with one or the other? Why don't we start with how you think about um, the fundamental side of the the portfolio and how you go about yeah researching from yep it. well um
1: yeah so which is a bit different to even the shares race because yep. the shares race is very much you know quite hot at the time sort of stocks and yep. you know if lithium's the big thing everyone's talking about or everyone's talking about a particular biotech on hot copper and okay, it's so getting lots of resources. news yeah yep. so so not if, for the shares race it's a little bit different even to what i do for my portfolio because if it's Um, for the shares race it's often a very quirky stock i might have met them like the the last race i had a company called tiny beans in the Mm -hmm. in the race and in my portfolio you know i'd only take a a small position in a in a company like that because i don't know it particularly well like i just met the ceo at an at an investment conference and i'd and I could see that it was having a lot of amazing news flow coming through. Mm-hmm. So, and people were giving it a bit of interest in in different publications, like maybe on Twitter, maybe on Hot Copper, maybe mm-hmm. even the Australian or Afr might have had some articles. So the shares race is all hot stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where in my in my portfolio, I would I would tend to pick. Yeah, there's definitely two sides of it. One's the, the very crazy amounts of research, fundamental sort of analysis. And the other side is more of a, a systematic trading, mm-hmm. you know, more
0: more Rules active. Banks. Yeah, like yep. a filtering sort of system. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when it comes to fundamental research, I think I've read some things before and because I've done some pieces on you in Fairfax, things um, some of the techniques that you've used and some of the filtering processes that you you I guess you pull from the universe and then you go away and do further research. Yeah. So perhaps you can you can take us through some of those examples of... You mentioned Tab earlier on. It's kind of like this business where you just get a scuttlebutt. You're walking past the yep. street and you see the business there. Uh, are there any other examples like that? Is that how you get a lot of your ideas?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would say there's just five ways I probably get ideas. Um, the first way by far is just... Um, i I subscribe to the the peter lynch theory that Mm -hmm. you know you could just you know looking at the things around you and the companies that you know like you don't have to be an amazing fund manager to find these things like you know companies around you are often the best pick i like his story about um his best pick in his fund was his his wife was quite obsessed with these legs um pantyhose like Mm -hmm. you bought put them in like a colorful plastic egg at the supermarket and haynes was selling these and normally um stockings you would buy at the department store but Mm -hmm. these were selling through the the actual supermarket okay so his wife wouldn't stop talking about these amazing stockings she was buying these plastic eggs so he finally sort of did some research on it and a you know 30 bagger for his fund and i just like stories like that and i I think i really i've read his book one up on wall street a few times so Mm -hmm. i definitely subscribe to that peter lynch um, philosophy and so one of my best picks Um, is LaVissa the jewellery company Mm -hmm. they sell earrings at Chatty and Mm -hmm. all around the world so uh, I always sort of would you know buy presents from LaVissa and I would go into the store at Chadston and I always thought when that business lists I would love to buy shares in that business so Mm -hmm. Morgan's did the the IPO in 2014 and and it was that long ago and so I bought shares in LaVissa just after it listed and I, I held them for a while and and i think one day in, in a this was before i had a sort of a lot of my other stock techniques but one day in the january there was this guy i don't know if you remember from the bank of scotland he said there was going to be a cataclysmic crash on the stock market no, I do remember
0: something. Like and that.
1: Yeah. so I, I didn't have a lot of shares in those days my main holding was Levissa, and i think it had gone from about two dollars to about three dollars sixty or something i'm like this is doing pretty well and then a few of my girlfriends that weren't into shares at all rang me and said angie there's going to be this cataclysmic crash on the stock market I'm like oh no how terrible so I sold my Levissa shares and a couple of days later they actually had a cataclysmic crash down to two dollars. Oh, right. The rest of the stock market was fine. Okay. So somehow the guy from the Bank of Scotland yep. anticipated this collapse in the Levista share price. <laughs> so I was quite fortunate and just quite a fluke got out of it yep. and um, and got back in back at two dollars. <laughs> oh,
0: right. Okay.
1: <laughs> so um, it was fortuitous Then it was really weird, and so I, I'm a lot better. I don't, you know, that's like I have lots better systems in place. This is very early days, mm-hmm. and and so. Uh, I do follow the LaVissa story quite closely and when it listed it had about 220 stores and now there's sort of over 360 stores Mm -hmm. and I follow the job ads so especially in America they've they've got stores opening across the US, they're in California and Florida and Texas and I do look up the job ads so I know where all the new stores are opening Mm -hmm. and how many new stores they've got coming up and so... Because um, initially they were just going to open stores in California but I could see they were advertising in mm-hmm. Texas and Florida and, and I ring the stores. I ring the stores overseas. I actually yep. chat to the to the stores in the States and just find out if they're busy and how's it going there and I, right. I, I chat to the, the ladies in the stores. And I do, when I was in Kuala Lumpur a couple of years ago um, for a family holiday, I dragged the kids around to all the LaVissa stores in KL. They loved that. They thought that was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, that's a a great way to do boots on the ground research. Yeah, they're like, really,
1: mum, we seriously go to (laughs) another (laughs) LaVissa store. Yeah, so I go to the AGM. I like to talk to the management at the AGM. And yeah, I follow that story
0: quite closely. So that's, that's one. And it's interestingly indicated that that job ads because it, it signals that they're investing because typically employees are one of the more expensive things in the business. It signals that they're investing for growth. There. Yes. Uh, that was kind of like this first method is kind of this boots on the ground research. Can you articulate a bit more on the other types of strategies you use to find these ideas?
1: Yeah, well, Um. and, and definitely um, that sort of idea of things around you. Um was very much part of that afterpay, you know, finding afterpay because I I helped out a a friend who was um, working in an a high-end clothing shop one day she'd broken her knee so i sort of had to help her mm. a little bit in the store and i sort of had a peek into her lay-by room which was this was before afterpay mm. and i could just see um how big a problem lay-by was for retailers because all day people would come in to look at their lay-by and it was just impossible to find anything in that lay-by room it was all just so chock-a-block mm. and so when i read about afterpay I knew that was going to be huge. I just thought it just solves this lay-by problem for retailers and that's going to be a big thing. So just finding businesses like that. But de- definitely my other ways of finding great ideas will be from the AFR, mm-hmm. like just reading the AFR just in Australian. Yep. Yeah, like I did read about the about Afterpay in the AFR before it listed and I've sort of followed that story quite closely mm-hmm. as well. And I found out about uh, Reliance, well, why they sell the plumbing fittings. I bought a shark
0: bite. Yeah, I was wondering what this yeah, is. Yeah, what's it's this? The, if you're listening on the podcast, you can't yes. see it, but it's on our <laughs> video. There's this little
1: attachment Yeah, here. so like, why is AG bought this plumbing fitting? But, yes, yeah. so, yeah, I have read about Reliance Worldwide before they listed in the AFR, and mm-hmm. so I thought, that sounds very interesting. You know, I found out about this shark bite, you know, push to connect connectors. I thought, okay, well... I'd better go and find out about these things. So I went to a plumbing store in Nunawadding and I said, I'd like to buy one of these, you know, Sharkbite push-to-connect connectors. And they said, well, certainly I don't think many women actually go into those sorts of stores. (laughs) And they said, well, what size would you like? And I said, oh, it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like think it does lady and I'm like no no just something I know about (laughs) five dollars like okay that's really weird so um I bought one of these things and then I waited outside the 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 plumbing supply place and just spoke to plumbers for about an hour and said you know explain to me what this is and why is it important and you know do you think it's good and they'll explain to me you know you can connect the pipes you don't have to do soldering and gluing you know tax attaches quite easily so after chatting to all these plumbers um, um about these connectors for for now I I got to understand the business quite well and I did make a bit of money from that share Mm -hmm. after having that experience and it hit my stop and I've been out of it for quite a while but yeah I just like the idea that you know investors it's not just a stock code they actually go and physically if you can buy the product Mm. go and buy the product and go and talk to people in the industry about you know
0: what what that product means Mm -hmm. and do you think uh just well we I can ask this now do you think that uh, people's they have this misconception about stock codes and, and things like that they think it's all just trading instruments I mean your background is, is business right you've done accounting but yep. before that you were involved in businesses yeah uh, do you think that's given you an advantage or, yeah,
1: yeah that I see it as a business and yeah. I you know if I can buy their products like I you know we use it definitely going to Visa, you know I force myself to go and buy earrings no mm. yep. <laughs> I was going there I tell you know I'm doing some research, but, um, yeah. Is that tax deductible? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if don't, I don't the tax fan would allow that, but I do a fair bit of research. But I would buy lots of gifts for people. But I, d- I think you should. You know, if you've got shares in that company, if you can use the product, like if you've got shares in Afterpay or you're an analyst and you're looking at Afterpay, you put Afterpay on your phone and make sure you pay by Afterpay so you get a sense of, you mm. know, what it's like to use their their product if you can.
0: Mm-hmm. And you, you've mentioned to me another example that you had, which was A2 Milk. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yep. So that's another one where I found from the AFR originally. It was over a Christmas period where in the Financial Review, it seemed to be like the whole paper was full of articles about milk formula in China and the potential Mm. and... It was almost like every article was, was like this. And actually, about a year later, I was telling that story to an AFR journalist. And he said, well, Angie, what time of year was it? I said, oh, it was around Christmas. He said, well, we're all on holidays. They were probably just a whole bunch of articles someone just piled up together because everyone's on holidays. Because yep. I thought, oh, my God, what's going on? The whole world is you know, talking about this milk formula opportunity. So I did get involved in um, – I did invest in A2 Milk back then. I think it was about 80 cents at the time. And I, I did tell my investment group. There was about, you know, 15 people in my investment group. And I did tell them – I did a big spiel about A2 Milk and the milk formula mm-hmm. opportunity. And only one – there's only a couple of ladies in my group, mostly guys. And only the ladies bought A2 Milk. And <laughs> the guys bought it. They're like, oh, that doesn't sound like a good idea. But to, to understand the – a milk formula opportunity I did go to lots of chemists and I did ask them you know what milk formula is selling and I would, it was amazing Owen oh, how many times they would just dig up go into the computer and actually give me their sales figures All right. and say so when Bellamy's launched a, a milk formula um, uh, no, sorry not Bla- Bellamy's um, Blackmore's Blackmore's, yeah. Blackmore's launched a milk formula and it was a, a white tin with white writing on it it looked Fairly boring, And mm. I went into a chemist warehouse and said, you know, are you selling many of these? She said, oh, I'll just look up on the computer for yeah. you. And she said, no, we haven't sold any. Hmm. <laughs> so I was surprised that they would go to that effort for a random customer. Mm. But what I did do was go into – in the city, there's these postage shops where, uh, you know, the Chinese um, daigus sort mm-hmm. of go in, the Chinese shoppers – go in and they package up all the vitamins and the milk formula into boxes and they send it off from these stores in yep. the city so I went into one of those big stores and there was this lovely girl there called Yumi mm-hmm. and I got chatting to her and she thought I was a bit strange I'm like you know I'd like to catch up with you on a regular basis you know maybe pay you for your time and buy you lunch and she's thinking I'm a bit of a weirdo <laughs> a, yeah, yeah, someone someone this lady sort of trying to pick me up in it a- <laughs> shop and she's studying um uh, masters in marketing at melbourne uni right and she said yeah okay that sounds sort of interesting so then i catch up with her on a regular basis like every couple of months we used to meet in the city but now i've got her coming out to Chadstone, which has been easier for me to get to mm-hmm. and she goes through with me we spent a couple of hours together and she'll just talk me through what milk formula is selling like what her customers are interested in mm. she'll tell me that you know whether. When Sukin was very popular as a, you know, face cream, she'll tell me what what products are selling, then she'll say, No, people aren't buying it anymore. They're really interested in these products, you know, people like Swiss now more than Blackmores and she Mm. was fantastic. So I really enjoy catching up with Yumi. And she tells me about all sorts of trends in China. She'll say, Oh, everyone wants oyster tablets. Oyster tablets? Oyster tablets. It's no, like tablets, we've got vitamins yes, from, yes. minerals from oysters. Yes, they apparently do the same thing as eating oysters. Okay. <laughs> so they're popular with men and for women. There's oyster tablets for men and oyster tablets for women. So she'll tell me about all these interesting Chinese trends. Like uh, she would tell me that red wine's very popular and ladies like to have a glass of red wine before they go to bed for good health hmm. in China. I think okay. it doesn't sound like a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, probably
0: up to sleep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay, great. So, this did, when you ask these people, you just randomly walk up to these <laughs> stores and you go, "Hey, how many tins of infant formula are selling?" Do you do you ever get, you know, just the door shut in front of you? People just no, no. They are p- pretty receptive of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And why do you think uh, other people don't do this?
1: Um, I don't know. Maybe they do. Yeah. I don't know. I I do it too much. I think it's okay. you know. The, as I've been progressing, because I've been sort of investing like this for about five years now. I've five years, I'm getting more and more. You yeah. know, it drives the kids a bit crazy if I'm in a store now. How many people use Afterpay? And, yeah. You know, and oh really? You know, yeah. how often do they use it? Like I'm always asking questions. Or
0: mm-hmm. well, maybe you're just an inquisitive shopper. Yeah. And hey, it pays the bills. So. Yeah, it pays the bills. Yeah, so. Yeah, right. Okay. So we've these are some of like the uh, yeah like the boots on the ground frontline research. I imagine that you don't just go and buy shares in everything that looks really
1: No, no. D- no, definitely not. Like um uh, like Peter Lynch says, you know, you don't just buy shares just cuz you like the restaurant and like the products, you know, mm. you definitely that that just starts, you know, getting that company on your on your research list so you can start then looking at other aspects of the company like definitely what the competitive landscape is and and the fundamentals of the business and mm. you can just start the, the research journey from there, but it gets it on your list. Like yep. when you start seeing these really interesting businesses, like I I do go to quite a few investment conferences. Like I go to techno and mm-hmm. microcap and uh, any of those sorts of events where you, I can get to hear lots of companies present. I go to IMark, which I-mark. is a big mining conference right. in, in Melbourne in November. It's absolutely huge. goes for three days. Hmm. And at IMark last year, I. I started chatting to this quite elderly gentleman like he might have been like even his 90s like he Mm. was very you know quite an elderly gentleman and I started chatting to him and I asked him a bit about his background and he had a PhD in mining engineering and he had worked his whole life in mining Mm. and he'd been at IMARC the whole three days and this was right at the end of the conference so I said to him you know like you've been here a long time you're very knowledgeable give me your best pick Mm -hmm. from IMARC and he he gave me his best pick, which um, was Image Resources, which is a um, Mineral Sands mine about 80 k's north of Perth, mm. and it was very in early days of Image Resources where they were still raising money to get the whole mine going. So, um, yeah, so I ended up buying shares in, in, in Image Resources, and I've doubled my money, oh, <laughs> so wow. it's pretty good. And I think that's it, just finding people like that, like going along to these events, but then... Asking people at the events, what was your best pick? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what was the company you liked the most? And mm-hmm. just finding out from the sort of almost like the wisdom of the crowds.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, so how do you, you, you mentioned earlier on, um, and we'll get to the systematic side in just a moment, but you mentioned earlier on this idea of a, a trade, a stop, that you might use, like a stop loss, I guess. Yes. How do you, so can you just maybe just explain to listeners how you use that and what it is?
1: Yep. So definitely on that fundamental side of the portfolio where I've done quite a lot of research on those companies, I'm 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 still happy to exit out of those companies and buy back in like I won't just stay in the company while it's sort of trending down. Right. So I I use for that for that portfolio I'm um, I tend to use that 9 and 21 day sort of weighted moving average and I did a a fair bit of work with this guy called Graham Mitchell. He'd been investing for about thirty years. He started investing when he was sixty, and he's hmm. ninety-three now. Oh, wow. okay. And so he is very much uh, a, a strong believer in watching your stops. and And I learnt from him just you know watch that nine and twenty-one day weighted moving averages. Watch all your moving averages. And if if the stock you're in is is really starting to trend down, then it's, it's you might want to think about getting out. And then but still watching it, still mm-hmm. not being you know out of it completely you're sort of waiting till it's trending up again and and getting okay. back in
0: so you combine it's kind of like a momentum right yep. you just combine the the momentum with yeah. the fundamental research yeah oh, okay right and how about let's maybe shift our goes to the systematic side how does that differ from the fundamental research side
1: yeah so so with that with that other side of my portfolio i'm definitely running filters over the stock market and then sort of seeing, and, and that's another thing I'd sort of learnt from Graham, he, he mm. really very much taught me to, to run filters over the stock market to find interesting ideas that you wouldn't normally find from, you know, Angie, you're reading the AFR and you go to events and you're mm-hmm. seeing things around you, but there might be some other interesting company that you're just not going to pick up that's the flavour, you know, that's really trending up and having a, a good strong run because you're just not in that space, it could be a lithium stock or it could mm. be just something very interesting that's going on. So he has um, quite a few filters that he runs over the stock market to sort of s- find these, these interesting businesses that then he'll do some research on. And I was going to tell you oh, the, about Graham too, that how I met yeah, Graham. Yeah, sure. That'd be interesting. Because <laughs> um, the very first time I was in the shares race, I came second. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, I've come second. I was just quite excited to mm-hmm. be in this race and it was a bit of fun being in the paper. Mm-hmm. Like all my friends thought it was Quite fun. And so I came second. So I thought, wow, you know, the company, the group that's beaten me was called U3A Benella. And I'd never heard of this U3A before. Mm -hmm. And so I looked them up, and U3A is the University of the Third Age and it's this group that was started like in France in the 70s and it's to help people in the third age of their life, you know, the retired people, that, to keep their brains stimulated and, and learn interesting things. So uh-huh. I just thought, what a great organisation. And so part of the U3A, you, there's wine clubs and investment clubs and all these things to get people in that third age of their life engaged, almost like in a university but you're learning other right. subjects. Yep. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty terrific. So I rang the U3A in Vanilla, their investment group, and uh, the guy that ran the group was called Graham. Mm-hmm. And I said, Graham, you guys have beaten me in the race, so I think I need to come up to Vanilla and learn some some of your tricks. Mm-hmm. And he thought that was just, uh, you know, a real hoot. He thought that was just the weirdest <laughs> thing he'd ever heard. He's like, really got to drive two hours yeah. <laughs> to hang out with a lot of not like a group of ninety-year-olds because we've got some <laughs> secret knowledge that you need to learn. He hysterical. Like, no one had ever come along to any of the groups and they'd been meeting for 18 years. Oh, right. They never had anyone else turn up. And the same group pretty much had been meeting for 18 years, once wow. a month. And they were quite serious. Like, they all bought their folders and they had their notes along the whole 18 years. Like, they took it quite seriously. Fantastic. And so he had to put it to the group. You know, this girl was to come up. And the other thing that was interesting too, Owen, is you knew every share I had. He said, Yes, I know you came second in the race. You had this stock and this stock and this stock and you had you were this much, you were up this percentage. Like he just rolled it all off. I'm like, Okay, that's really weird. And so I drove up to vanilla to attend their next monthly meeting to Mm -hmm. learn from the U3A vanilla investment group and I just love them. I just thought they were such fun. Like Mm -hmm. one of the girls in the group, she was 90, she just bought herself a new Hyundai. (laughs) Said, Oh, Angie, it's a zippy new Hyundai. I do a fair bit of driving. They were just so sprightly, this group. And another lady said, Oh, Angie, I I wouldn't miss a meeting for a funeral. No oh no way.
0: <laughs> these, these meetings are very important. Yeah. That's fantastic though, right? It it's a great, great way to keep yourself busy and you've got yeah. time and you have to do the research. Yeah,
1: that's right. And they all do a lot of work before each meeting. Like they have to pick a stock and they have to do some research on that stock and they have to present it to the group why they think this is a good buy. Hmm. And they're they're quite serious and they have all sorts of different competitions where they compete with each other for who you know, like little shares races within their group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed meeting them. So then after the meeting, I would spend the rest of the day with Graham, and he would teach me all these things. And mm-hmm. then i would stay the night, and i would spend the next day as well. So I'd sort of get an Airbnb down in Vanilla and mm-hmm. stay there for a couple of days and just learn from Graham, who was yeah um, yeah early nineties and had thirty years of investment experience. Mm-hmm. And so definitely that systematic side came from him as well. Just just running filters over the stock market to to find interesting stocks and then being very, very careful with your stops once you've picked one of these shares. Mm.
0: Uh, You've you've mentioned a bit before that – is this this a momentum strategy? Sorry, just quickly. Is this a momentum kind of strategy? Okay, okay. so you've mentioned before that one of the rules might be that um, if the share market is down versus where it was last week, you won't buy. Yep. And you might buy – if it is up, you might, through this – filtering process through the systematic approach, you might buy three shares a day, yes, something like that. And how long do, they, do, you, do you tend to hold those positions?
1: Until it hits the stop. In that sort of side of the portfolio, I tend to work on a like a 7 or sometimes I change 8%, 8% trailing stop. Okay. So um, I'm exiting out of those positions quite frequently. That's more of my trading side of the mm-hmm. portfolio, so I have a pretty tight stop, yep. in case I'm wrong.
0: <laughs> For <laughs> sure. And so does that... Um, Is that just on the long side? So you don't take short positions or anything like that? No,
1: I've, I've, anytime I've really thought I would totally short this stock, like I've absolutely done my research. I'm like, oh my God, this is a stock I would short for sure. It's continued to go up (laughs) and up and up for like six months before it will collapse. Like I'm, so I, I don't think I'd be very good at shorting some of the stocks that I've really thought I would short, you know, take a really long time for that for what I think's gonna happen to, to,
0: to play, play out. out. Yeah. That's the thing about shorting, right? You need to be right about the your thesis of so the company yeah. must, must be pretty poor quality, yep. but you also need to be right about the timing and those two things. It's really hard, I, I, would, I find
1: that hard to get right. Yeah. Like um, something will, and people keep telling me why it's a good buy, I'm like, I, I can't see that at all. And mm. yeah.
0: Mm. Okay, so over time, have you tracked the performance of both sleeves of your portfolio? and? Yeah. Have you refined it in any way? Or?
1: Yeah, so I, I think I do about the same in, in both sides, but I just like the balance between them. Mm-hmm. I just like, um, you know, I like the all the crazy research side of things. I like going out on site and sure. you go to a juice factory and putting on the, the cap and, yeah. I don't know, just finding out about these companies. But I also like the the interest that the, the more systematic side throws up an interesting stock that I think, mm-hmm. oh, look at this interesting company I would never have thought to – find out about that so i think the performance wise is about the same okay but i like the the diversity i have about 20 stocks in the in the research side of things and about 40 in the systematic side okay and so 60 overall is a lot of stocks i get a, mm. i get bagged out a fair bit about having 60 stocks but,
0: but if but if one side of it's systematic you don't have to yep. know them inside out like yep. you would with the fundamental side right yep. Okay, and do you own like ETFs or do you diversify? I any I other have way? in
1: the past had have had ETFs, yep. um,
0: more global ETFs. Yep. So you don't trade globally; it's just in the ASX.
1: Yeah, I've got four shares, global shares. I, hmm. I've had Twitter shares since 2014 when I discovered Twitter and thought, oh my god, like I could, I could tweet to just anyone and they would tweet back to me, and it's just like this is the best thing ever. Like <laughs> just any anyone involved in anything. I've tweeted to really interesting people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, like even um, um, Biz Stone, he started Twitter. I've mm-hmm. tweeted to him and we've chatted on Twitter before, like he was one of the co-founders of Twitter. So just, oh, right. just strange characters. I would I'd think, oh, I wouldn't mind asking this question of this person. I'll tweet to them and they'll fight back. So I bought Twitter shares for $40, I think back then, and they went down to like 18 <laughs> and I never sold them because... I really like twitter and they're back up again but so i've held them for a long time but i've got amazon shares because i think my kids are better at sort of you know finding these interesting companies so my daughter one day a couple of years ago said oh Mum, you know all my friends are buying from amazon mm-hmm. I, you know buy me a few amazon shares so i've got amazon alibaba mm-hmm. just companies like that that i
0: you know, it's changing the world and reshaping yeah. the next generation. Yeah. When I, think about I, I,
1: commerce. I, I, I like ETFs. I think that's a really great way to get exposure to global markets and even Australian markets. So I I would have ETFs again, but just not at the moment. Like yeah. I, 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 the, the ETFs that I had just hit my stop. Yep. Yeah. okay. Um,
0: okay, so uh, one question I, I want to ask you, which is about how you structure your days, because I think people listening to this would – Think to themselves, oh, I can do that. I can go out and I can spot these businesses and services that I use every day, and you know I could probably go to meet these interesting people, set up a trading plan, and all that type of thing. Do you think the way that you invest? Do you think that's approachable for people that work nine to five and or just anyone in general? Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah definitely. I think everyone can see these interesting businesses, and I think. Um, just acting upon that like I like you know if you're at a party and everyone's talking about they've just bought this iPhone and everyone's at the is just talking about iPhones you think you know that might be a good time to just have a look at Apple yeah. shares or I remember years ago um Going to a party, and everyone's talking about LinkedIn. So, this is a long, long time Mm -hmm. ago when everyone was setting up like a LinkedIn profile. And just strangely, like it was around Christmas, and almost every day, you know, there was a different Christmas party going on. Everyone's like, Oh, I've set up my LinkedIn. And and that was sort of like the buzz thing at the time. And I think that would have been a really great time to buy share. LinkedIn was actually listed then, that was before Mm. Microsoft bought them. But, you know, that would have been probably a really good opportunity to look at LinkedIn and buy some shares. So, Definitely. I think just being aware of what's happening around you and, mm. and
0: checking out these businesses. How about on the accounting side? Do you think people that aren't accountants can have the, have the ability to do that fundamental research or...?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's enough programs out there to go through all the figures and give you the the PEG ratios and the PEs, and you can look at the earnings growth, so I don't think you necessarily have to dig through the whole, Mm -hmm. uh, I I actually, I go through the whole financials, I read the the reports, because I can read them sort of quickly, but I think just people don't have that knowledge, they can still look, you know, whatever, through their broker or through their
0: online platform or whatever they're using, they can look at the ratios, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so as we come to the end of the conversation, one thing I always ask is how can people follow you? Obviously, you've got Twitter. You're, you're yep. prolific on Twitter. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like how Twitter. else can people? Yeah, I'm on
1: LinkedIn. You? I've got like yeah, fourteen and a half thousand on my LinkedIn. I've got a crazy amounts on LinkedIn. Uh, so yeah, definitely. I mean, I speak at the Australian Investors Association annual conference on the Gold Coast. Nice. They have this event um, and we stay at the Marriott. I'm a bit of a seafood nut and they have this like all you can eat seafood buffet there. So we always go a bit crazy at the conference just eating seafood. And they have like a lagoon pool where you can swim with the fish. <laughs> so it's just fantastic. So I spoke at the Australian Investors Association conference last year and I'm speaking again this year. So that's a bit of fun. And and so can anyone go to that? Yeah, anyone yeah. can sign up and go to that. And I sometimes speak through Australian Shareholders Association events as well. They have monthly meetings, and I do speak at some of those. But okay. you get some fantastic speakers at these events. Mm-hmm. And even the AIA, they have monthly meetings as well. And, cool. I can and people sort of are more than, than welcome
0: to come up and just say hello. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah I,
1: I think it's great. Like, I, I definitely think um, it's, you know, I'm very passionate, you should see about yeah. shares. So, you know, I, I do think it's great for people In to get own. inspired and... Yeah, you like to interact with people and yeah. share ideas and yeah. all the rest of it. Yeah, and you know? definitely, I think um, some people say I do. I do well with my investing because I'm always asking people, you know, their opinion about things. I think that's really important, and and just you know, meeting with other investors and seeing what they're interested in and what sort of companies they're following. So,
0: hmm. yeah, oh, wonderful. Okay, last question, Angie. If you could go back and tell a younger you one thing about money, finance, or investing, what would it be? Uh,
1: definitely. Yeah, start young, you know, take a punt on on something you see, just like I was saying, and just, you know, things that you see around you, like take, take a punt. You know, it doesn't have to be a huge amount of money, but, you know, if we all bought Google shares when we all started Googling, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, I think I definitely, if I could tell my younger self, you know, just just go for it and Mm -hmm. um i mean definitely uh, because i was doing nyb software i when nyb listed the very first time i did get shares in nyb and they sort of took off and that was one of the shares i took a punt on but Mm -hmm. yeah i think just more of those i I sort of taken more advantage of other things that i saw along the
0: way Mm -hmm. yeah wonderful i i'm going to say i having this conversation with you now i my my big takeaway from this is find the things that you love yes find the products and services that you love and start there. And don't overcomplicate all the other stuff. Yep. If people love it, people are willing to pay for it, chances are there's there could be a good business behind it. Yes. So, yeah, Angie, once again, thanks for coming thanks in and joining someone. me today. Thanks for
1: having me on. Thanks.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to the Australian Investors Podcast. For further episodes, head to www.raskfinance.com To provide feedback, nominate a guest, or hear from me, you can find me on Twitter with the handle at Owen Rask. Cheers to our financial futures. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core in a satellite, to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Raskinvest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.